This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. The scripture reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. Again, Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling, keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Good morning. So, I would like to acknowledge that, yes, this is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there. And I would like to also say that in honor of mothers, we're going to spend the next 25 minutes in silence. (laughs) I've got a group clapping. Okay, so that was, I'm totally kidding. Um, I um, wanted to, to acknowledge the fact that, um, you know, it is Mother's Day, and obviously I'm the, uh, the mother uh, pastor on staff, um, but that actually has nothing to do with why I'm up here this morning. And so I just wanted to put that out there, and I wanted to go ahead and just dive into where we are going this morning. Pastor Todd um, has spoken over the last couple of weeks about prayer, and we're going to continue with that this morning. And um, he has he focused on um, the the Lord's Prayer a couple weeks ago, and the persistent prayer uh, that the Lord asks us to to come to Him with. Last week, he talked about John 17 and the high priestly prayer, the prayer that um, Jesus prayed not just for his own disciples, but for us that are sitting here 2,000 plus years later. This morning, we're going to look at a lesson in prayer that Jesus gave out of something called the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is considered a sermon that was given, some believe it was given in sections. Some of it, some people believe that it was given as a big chunk of teaching. But it was a teaching that Jesus gave to his disciples based on a time where he was sitting with just them. 
So this wasn't a large-scale teaching. This wasn't one of those where he was out on the boat and he was teaching a big crowd of people. This was something where he was sitting with his friends and he was saying, hey guys, if you want to be like me, these are some of the things that you need to do. And in this particular section on prayer, so in Matthew 6, um, 5 through 8, which was the passage we read this morning, what you see is Jesus specifically addressing prayer. And he says to them, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. We're a society that loves words and sound, constant input of information, constant noise. That's kind of why I made the joke about moms having the 20 minutes of silence. The radio is always on. The TV is always on. The sound is always coming in. When Jesus is talking here, he's specifically talking about prayer, and he's saying to them, hey, guys, don't be like everybody else that stands in a group and makes a lot of noise and sound as they pray. My instruction to you is to be different. Jesus modeled that type of prayer, that aloneness with God, that intimacy with God in going and stepping away. You see that with him in Matthew 4, where he's led into the desert to be alone. He goes out to desolate places to be alone. He goes up on the mountain to be alone and to pray. And so as he's speaking to his disciples, he's saying to them, I want you all to be different in the way that you approach the Father. I love the way that Eugene Peterson says this in the message version. And he says, I actually didn't do this as a slide, whoops. <laughs> but he says in verse 6, he says, here's what I want you to do. So this is Jesus speaking. Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and as honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense his grace. I don't know about you, but in all of the noise and the input in my life, good voices, 
bad voices, random voices, internet, TV, radio. There are a lot of things that put things that uh, voices that put ideas on me, and I struggle to figure out what does it mean. Who am I before God, and who does God say that I am? And I read things, and I see things, and it's really hard to actually piece together what it means to receive the grace of God. I'm going to read this to you again. It says, here's what I want you to do. This is Jesus giving instructions to us, okay? Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. I'm going to tell you that I, when I am really honest... I probably spend a good part of my day role-playing people's expectations for me. God does not want us to interact with him like that. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. Present. No falsehood, no role-playing. The focus then begins to shift from me, from what I want, from what I need, from my desperation to God. I get to go from here to here. To be able to receive his grace When we look at Jesus' life, we see that. We see that he went to be with the Father before he did anything else. It was those quiet places. It was those places where he was able to be reaffirmed in who he was, his identity. He was able to hear. He was able to get instructions about what he was supposed to do and how he was supposed to do it. But primarily, it was about knowing who he was. Henry Nouwen, and I don't know if you all know who he is. He was actually a, uh, a priest who um, did a ton of writing about something called contemplative prayer. Solitude and silence um, were something that were vi- was very, very formative to him. But I love the way that he describes Jesus' way. In a lonely place, Jesus finds the courage to follow God's will and not his own. To speak God's words, not his own. To do God's work, not his own. He reminds us constantly, by myself I can do nothing. I seek to do not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And again, what I say to you, I do not speak of my own accord. It is the Father living in me who is doing his work. It is in the lonely place 
where Jesus enters into intimacy with the Father, that his ministry is born. I know that there are a lot of us that long to follow God, to do his work, to speak his words, to love people the way that he loves them, to see people the way that he sees them. But this instruction that Jesus is giving to his disciples, part of what he's saying is what you need to be able to do is be alone with the Father in order to be able to get that. To still yourself, to quiet yourself before God in order to receive that. It's those quiet conversations that that happens. As we move on to verse, verses 7 and 8, part of what we see in this is Jesus' continued conversation. And he says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. <laughs> um, I'm going to tell you guys a story here. So my oldest daughter, Virginia, who um, turned 19 yesterday, (laughs) um, is my introverted kid, Um, always has been. Um, In fact, my dad's nickname for her, since she was just like a toddler, was Little Lotus Flower. Um, And that's because uh, my parents have a a large deck in the back of their house that that, uh, looks over the uh, hill country in San Antonio. And Virginia would get up in the morning and would go grab her little, you know, the cute little, the little kid uh, toddler lawn chairs. And she'd go grab her lawn chair and she would just go sit outside quietly and would just sit out there and just look out. Not a word, just sitting quietly. I don't know a lot of toddlers like that, and I have another child who was not like that at all. But she was just that kind of kid. And when we lived in Guam, and for those of you who don't know, Guam is an island that is 33 miles long at its longest point, 12 miles wide. But the speed limit is about 30, which means that it takes you over an hour to get from one end of the island to the other. So one Saturday, I had promised Virginia that I would take her and her little neighbor friend to the pet store that was 25 miles, so all the way on the other side of the island, um, to just check out the various pets they had there. Virginia was super excited. Maggie was going to go with us. We packed snacks because, of course, that's key, right? Anytime that you're making a road trip. I, I, I pack snacks if I have to go to Anchorage. But um, we're in the car. We're driving along. And one of Virginia's favorite things to do at that age was to actually just ride in the car with no noise. And so we're riding along. And Maggie was a very verbose child. Lots of words this one had. So we get in the car and Maggie is talking. 
and we're in the car and Maggie is still talking. And we've gone about 10 minutes and Maggie is still talking. I don't even know if this child was breathing. I kept looking back in the rearview mirror to make sure she wasn't blue from the amount of words that were just coming out of her mouth continuously. About 20 minutes into the ride, Virginia just quietly turns to Maggie and she says, Maggie, do you think we can be quiet? And Maggie says, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, I, yeah, I'm so good at being quiet. Oh, my goodness. So, so there was this one time in preschool where we played the quiet game, and nobody thought I could do it, but I was totally good at it, and then I almost won, but then I didn't because I had something I had to say. And the look on poor little Virginia's face, she just went, <sighs> and proceeded to look out the window for the next 45 minutes of the ride. <laughs> this morning when I, was going, when I was looking over this, I thought, that is babbling. Just the sound of her voice. Now, I don't know where Maggie is now, and hopefully Maggie will not hear this, but um, I don't know where she is now. I don't know what she's doing, but I know that sometimes in my own desires, in my own nervousness, in my... Honestly, in my, my desperation to get God to do something for me, I will try to babble whatever it is that I feel like I need to say in order to hit the target for God to say, you got it, girl. And what Jesus is saying here is don't be like that. It isn't formulaic. It isn't about saying the right thing at the right time. God isn't testing us to see if we read the right prayer book or if we're figuring, if we've got the right word pattern. He's looking for relationship with us. He's looking to transform us through his spirit. And the only way to do that is to actually be near And to be quiet and to listen. To take in what it is that he has to say to us. We are a doing culture. What do I need to do to make this happen? What do I need to do today? We make to-do lists. God, what do I need to do to make this happen? God, what do I need to pray in order to make this happen? Or to make this stop? Or to make this go away? I had a friend who was <clears throat> really struggling with some things. And she was doing all the right things. She was praying, she was reading her Bible, she was serving, she was doing all the right things. And one day, she went on a run. And really, that place of just being quiet, not necessarily still, but her, her, her spirit was still before God in her running. And she was praying and crying out and saying, Lord, what do I have to do? 
What do I have to do? What, what do I need to do? What do I need to make it to do so this can, so I can make this happen? So something can change. And she said, it was this grasping feeling. And the response that she got in her spirit was peace. Be at peace. And she said, her response was, oh, wait a minute, that can't be right. I have to, there has to be something to do here, right? What, what is it that I need to do? And she said it was just a very gentle but firm repeat of the word, peace. Be at peace. The things that go on in our head become what we do. And a lot of times we want action. We're not willing. Sometimes we're really, it's very difficult to just be still and silent. C.S. Lewis, in fact, said that the idea of contemplative prayer was actually extremely difficult for him because he said that he felt like in that that being still, that being quiet. Now, this is a man of words, right? He said he felt like he had to be on his best game in order to be able to do that. In order to be able to be still and quiet. And for some of us, that's really true. And the more input we're used to having, the harder it is. But here is something that I came across by a man named Richard Rohr. Richard Rohr is another Catholic priest. He's actually not a priest. He's a Franciscan friar. And when I read this, it really pierced me. He says, your thoughts invariably become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become habits. Your habits become your character, and your character becomes your final destiny. The stillness before God allows us to open our hearts for God to transform those thoughts. And the transformation of our thoughts transform the words that come out of us. And those words form actions, and those actions form habits, and those habits become our character, it becomes who we are. This section of the Sermon on the Mount actually leads up to Jesus' teaching on the, um, the Lord's Prayer. <clears throat> It's a section where Jesus is actually saying, this is how I want you to approach the Father. And Todd talked about that a couple weeks ago, like I said. But my encouragement to you this morning is to be courageous enough to be still and quiet 
before God. To open your hands to him and say, what do you have to say to me? How is it that my thoughts and my words and my actions need to be transformed more into the way that you speak and act in the world? To try to quiet your mind, to know that you're not alone if you have a hard time doing that. As I was thinking about the sermon title, the reason that I use the term or the the phrase moment of silence is because that's something we're all really familiar with. Something happens, some tragedy, and as a culture, we bow our heads and we take a moment of silence. Encourage you this week to think about taking a moment of silence with the Father. Taking a moment of silence where you are reflecting and thinking about him. Maybe on your drive someplace, turn the radio off. Maybe as you're doing chores at home, don't put your eye, don't put your headphones in. Maybe in the moments as you're slipping into sleep, be quiet and open-handed before the Lord. He has things to say. And sometimes it's just simple things like peace. Just listen. One of my heroes of the faith is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. For those of you who don't know who Dietrich Bonhoeffer is, he was a German uh, Lutheran pastor in the 30s um, and was a key um, player in the church in an attempt to reform the church during uh, the Nazi reign. He made some tough choices and ended up being um, killed by the Nazis. But he wrote some things, some really profound things about prayer, about relationships in community, and about relationship with God. So this morning I want to end with a prayer that he wrote. And this is actually a prayer that he wrote in prison. In me there is darkness, but with you there is light. I am lonely but you do not leave me. I'm feeble in heart, but you, with you there is help. I'm restless, but with you there's peace. In me there's bitterness, but with you there's patience. I do not understand your ways, but you know 
the way for me. Lord Jesus, you were poor and in distress, a captive and forsaken as I am. You know all man's troubles. You abide with me when all men fail me. You remember and seek me. It is your will that I should know you and turn to you. Lord, I hear your call and follow. Help me. Help me. There's not a single one of us this morning that doesn't need help in some way, shape, or form. So as the worship team comes forward, as we enter into the rest of our time, My prayer is that you will be still and silent before God, even in the midst of all of these people, to find yourself a place with him.